Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. All right, everyone. We're back for another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And I'm sitting here in beautiful Alaska with John Whipple. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Awesome. So John's here with 60th Parallel is the company. And uh, we're sitting here at the Spencer Lake Glacier. And it is a beautiful sight right now. And John and I are both sitting here sipping on uh, some good drinks. What do you got over there, John? Uh, I've got a Manhattan that someone made for me, which I wasn't going to say no to, and then a little bit of coffee here. Okay, a little mixture, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got, got my, a Manhattan my upper and my down here. here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Cool. So uh, yeah, so this is the this is the first time I met John here, and. Uh, I've, I'm familiar with some of his work and I'm sure some other people are with 60th parallel. I've seen some of the, the photography work at least on, uh, on Instagram quite a bit and, and through Heather's choice. So why we're sitting here on this glacier, we're not out here for some, uh, you know, some retreat other than with the company Heather's choice. So who John and I are both, you know, connected with and, so we're sitting here and uh, at, at the base of the the mountains here. Just decided to have a little chat. So, John, you want to tell us a little bit about about yourself and and who you are? Yeah, you bet. Uh, so I live in Alaska. Been uh, here since I was a little kid, and I love hunting, which is what kept me in Alaska. It's uh, there's of course a lot of cool places in the world, but I I think be hard pressed to find somewhere that rivals it for big game hunting and and uh so we do a lot of that <laughs> yeah that's pretty that's pretty evident in your in your work right <laughs> you right. do a lot of big game hunting in you know what can be called the capital of the big game hunting in the world i would say yeah we're i mean we're blessed i try not to take it for granted it, i feel like a lot of times if you live some if you grew up somewhere you're like oh you don't even notice uh you know the things around you like the the mountains or uh the the opportunities that you have a lot of times it's human nature to take things for granted and so i make a point of not doing that because we live in an amazing state and the opportunities are boundless i often get asked by other hunters so what do you do up there when uh when it's the off season when it's when it's not hunting season i'm like shoot it's hunting season 12 months out of the year. Like if, if you want to get after it, there's stuff to hunt year round. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's maybe a little bit of a lull in July. We'll, we'll take off some time to go salmon fishing. Uh, but <laughs> e- even, <Poor> you. <laughs> but even then you, there's plenty of stuff to hunt if you feel like it. And, uh, so yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's what I was, uh, uh, Brad, um, was just telling me about uh, the black bear season. He's like, oh, it just closed like last week and then it opens up the next day for the next year. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's just basically year round. Yeah, same stuff. for black bears up here, it depends on the area. Alaska's big enough that we have it split up into a lot of subunits, but most of the areas you can hunt black bear, it's open year round. There's no closed season. So it's just, you hunt all the way up until June 30th. And then that the once you get into July... Uh, it's the new regulatory year, so you, it's new tags. You start over again. Okay. So you'll get some guys who who shoot, 
you know, they shoot a couple bears in June or three bears in June, and then they'll shoot another <laughs> two or three bears in July or August. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> because it's technically the next year. Yeah, that's that proves uh, how wild Alaska is right. from, <laughs> from that perspective. So this is my first time in Alaska, and it's it's an amazing, amazing place. I don't even know how to describe it, you know, coming from the lower 48 and, and Pennsylvania specifically. And, and being in some of the western states has been awesome, but coming here is just like a, a truly wild place. And, and you grew up grew up in this area. You said about two hours from where we're at in the Anchorage area, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Palmer, Alaska, which most people have at least heard of Anchorage, which is our, kind of our bigger city in south of central Alaska, and not too far from that. And It's a nice hub. There's not a lot of road systems in Alaska, uh, but Palmer sits nicely on a couple of the, the an intersection of the two major highways, and so you can, you can cover a lot of country, and... Uh, and and we do so. 60th Parallel Ventures is um, a company that focuses on showcasing uh, Alaska's opportunities and and uh, adventures. We do a lot of hunting in Alaska, and then try to take photos and videos of that to share our experiences with other people and and show people that uh, a it's approachable like we are we are not independently wealthy guys and we normal day jobs and we don't make a ton of money and yet we still do a lot of world-class hunting and we want to show people that uh, whether you live in Alaska or you're just visiting Alaska that that's approachable and that's a thing that that you can do if that interests you and uh, plus we just think there's so many um, cool life lessons uh, to learn when you're out in the field. Like that's where we feel rejuvenated. Like when we get in the field, all the trappings of civilization fall away, right? You, you get away from all the stresses of life and th- things become uh, more simple and more clear and you, you kind of find out who you are. Uh, Alaska pretty quickly here. I'm tests sure. you, right? <laughs> uh, you, you, it's it's not rocket science. It's not super hard to be successful up here, but it, you do have to pay attention and you do have to do things right. You, you can get killed, right, if you do things wrong, and and you have to work for it. You can't just always hunt out of the truck. You have to get out and load everything into a backpack and hike a ways. And sometimes you're flying in or taking a boat in where uh, help is days away, and so. It, you truly have to be self-sufficient and we love that because that that really teaches us a lot about ourselves when we get out there you find what your limits are and you learn how to push those limits and you learn how to be self-sufficient and at the same time uh rely on each other and i think that's what has drawn me to to hunting in alaska the most is it, it shows me who I am and what I'm capable of. And each time you go out, you uh, are tested and you, you come back a, a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it It seems like it. And then you have such a variety of terrain, mm-hmm. you know, through yeah. here that uh, each, no matter if you're a, a local or not, you're going to be tested, you know, each, t- each and every time, like you said, when you go out. So from... 
So from someone to say like myself from Pennsylvania, is it, is it possible on a working man's budget to, you know, come to Alaska to hunt? It absolutely is. Uh, but it depends on how you want to do it. I always say you're going to have to put a, a serious investment into hunting in Alaska, but that investment can be time or it could be money. And probably to be realistic, a little bit of both, but you can, if you, if you want to save money, you can absolutely do that. You just need to be willing to invest a little more time. And of course the, the reverse is true. If you, if you don't have a lot of time, you can spend money and, and, and uh, <laughs> get and, it done, get a jump start <laughs> on that. Um, but Alaska is absolutely approachable, uh, to, to the working man's budget. It really is. And part of that is species oriented. So there are a couple species in Alaska that you are required to use a guide for. And, and, and rightfully so, if you ask me. And that, so that is uh, brown bear and uh, mountain goat, right? Um, doll sheep. Those species, they want you to use uh, a, a hunting guide. And the reason behind that is that it's just a little, the learning curve is higher. It's a little more dangerous. You're, for doll sheep and mountain goat, you're in rough terrain, and there's just a certain amount of uh, learning curve there just to be safe in the field and not have life flights <laughs> to come pick you up when you get in trouble, right? Um, you got to know what you're doing. And same with brown bear. The terrain may or may not be dangerous. The bears certainly are. And so you, you kind of need to know what you're doing there. And so those can be expensive the, 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 to, to hire a guide, well worth it. They're worth every penny. And we know a lot of great hunting guides up here, uh, but it's certainly expensive and something you, you've got to plan for, something yeah. you, you, you've got to budget and it's approachable, but it, like anything, you, know, you, you need to set your budget and save up for it. That being said, there's a lot of other species in Alaska that you don't need a guide for and that you absolutely can do on your own. Come to Alaska, do your homework, and uh, just go hunting with a buddy uh, and w without a guide. And So before you, before you get into them, I, I want to make a comment on something, what you said about you know, going with a guide and, you know, a lot of times, whether it's on here or that you hear, you know, Oh, you know, you can do it yourself, you know, all, all of that. And that's, that's great. And that's fine and dandy. But sometimes whether that's a legal standpoint or it's just smart standpoint to, to go with a guide that may require saving money for more, you know, more time than you would go in DIY. But, um, I, I don't know if you know, Matt comment, He's a friend of mine. Um, mm -hmm. He's from Virginia, but he comes up to Alaska and, and BC and some other places to hunt sheep and, and things. And the way he puts it as, you know, he's an everyday guy, but he goes, you just got to make decisions in your life. You don't need that, you know, that newer truck or different things. He goes, and you put money aside. You don't need coffee at the gas station every morning. And he put it into a simple standpoint on how you can save up to do some of these hunts. And he goes, it's just what you want to make as your priorities. And uh, so if it's something that's really your dream, don't think it's out of your reach because you see that high dollar amount. It may take five years plan, you know, to get up to there, but it, it is possible to, to anyone. That's absolutely true. I mean, and 
that's a whole subject in itself. Yeah. Prioritizing life and budgeting. Yeah. Do you need, like, if you go to Starbucks every day, you know, and are spending five bucks on a coffee, do that math, right? Like, that's a lot of money savings yeah. if, if you if you cut that out and, and you can you can shave those dollars everywhere and and access some some memories that will last forever instead of that coffee that lasts for five minutes yeah that's absolutely true for sure um, but there's a lot of experiences that can be had up here um, from the from the for the hunter that just wants to do it DIY and you know have that pride in in uh, doing it all himself and that's very very doable but that hunter is going to have to do some homework he's going to have to spend some time uh checking things out i didn't fully realize it i guess i've i've started to become more aware of the differences between hunting in alaska and hunting in a lot of other places i took it for granted having grown up here since i was about 10 years old and having all my hunting experience being in alaska this is what's the norm to me uh, but my hunting partner grew up in Nebraska and Wyoming and has come up here just in the last eight years or so. And so he has opened my eyes to how differently uh, we do things as compared with a lot of hunting styles down in the lower 48 states, which is what we call <laughs> all the rest of America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lower 48. And, and so it's been cool getting to see things through his eyes. And... Uh, it, I guess it is true. If you come up here and you're hunting, some folks do road system hunting. That is a thing up here. But for the most part, it's pretty backcountry. Uh, you're you're flying in in a little two man super cub airplane, or you're getting on a on a boat and going on the ocean or up a river. Uh, you're taking ATVs back fifty miles up a trail. You're in remote areas, and so the stakes are just a little bit higher. You, the weather is extreme in some cases, and the, there's a lot of animals, and some of them want to bite you. And um, and then just all the normal things that go with being out in the backcountry, you know, you can accidentally hurt yourself one way or another. And so you just kind of have to be on your game just a little bit more. We're not going out just in the evening and sitting on a tree stand or hunting out of the truck is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And so you just kind of got to up your game just a little bit. And it's common sense for the most part, learning first aid, learning how to pack a light pack, learning what you to take and what not to take um, when you got to carry your whole life in your backpack instead of in the truck. Yeah, you figure out pretty quick what's a priority. <laughs> you absolutely do. And and so that's where shakeout patrols become important, right? You go out and you do test runs, you go camping and take everything with it. And you very quickly learn I, I don't need to take that. I don't want to carry that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ounces become important, let alone pounds. Yeah. In the, in the back country. That's for sure. But when people ask me, oh, I want to hunt in Alaska. What, what can I do? Where should I start? There's usually what I'll tell them. There's three species that I recommend as, as your starter species in Alaska. Get your feet wet. Get a feel for what Alaska's like. Uh, and those are black bear, sick of black tail deer and caribou. Uh, and they all, all have their own unique experience. Each one's a little different, but they all, the common thing is the tags are available over the counter in a lot of areas, meaning you can just register for one, apply for one and you get it. And they're relatively inexpensive. Uh, the tag fee for an out of state resident, they're not, um, 
very cost prohibitive to buy the tag. And the populations are generally healthy. So your success rates are relatively high. And the learning curve on, on those ones is a notch lower than some of the other species that can be hunted in Alaska. So they're just all around a great way to get, get your feet wet. And each one has its own kind of kind of unique aspects to it and why, why they're fun or why, why they're a good, good way to start. But those are the ones I, I usually recommend. Okay. And you had uh, you said you wrote an article on that. Is that correct? Yeah, every once in a while, um, I do a little. I'm a regular contributing editor for Hunt Alaska magazine, and um, so I've written a few articles here and there about each one of those species individually, as well as holistically, just yeah, uh, how to get started in Alaska. Yeah. So, um, to to kind of dive into those those species here, get a, little, a kind of a, an overview on it. So, black bear. I mean, I I know obviously. From the first standpoint, being able to hunt them at any time during the year is a big deal. Um, but what what are some other benefits for black bear, and why would you say that's a like a a good entry, you know, species? Sure. Well, first of all, it's bear hunting, so there's a cool factor. That, you know, that's always fun, and it's cool that you get you get a nice hide out of it. And then, if depending on where you're hunting, you may also get good meat out of it. We, we eat a lot of black bear up here. If that's something you're interested, that's a plus. But I had uh, I had a black bear chili last nice. night at Heather's place. Um, that from her bear that she had, yeah, that she t- took there, and it was amazing. They're it great. Was, it was really good. Like They're I was really great. And then this morning, Brad made some uh, breakfast sausage out of black bear. There you and go. again, excellent, excellent meat. Heck but, yeah. But anyways, I keep going there. Sure. So. Uh, we have a lot of black bears in Alaska. They're they're everywhere, and so success rates are a little higher. That's that's number one, right? You you don't want to come to Alaska and strike out. That's no fun. And so the chance of knocking a black down, black bear over down is is pretty good. Yeah, and cost is pretty minimal because we have black bears across the state. You can you can get an, a multitude of different experiences, and access is reasonable. And access is really the main consideration when you're planning a hunt in Alaska because our road systems are really limited, and so most hunting is done off the road system, and that gets expensive really fast. If you have to charter a private airplane to fly you in somewhere, you know you're looking at. Uh, price tag that would in another situation fly you to thailand <laughs> yeah. right uh but they're only flying you 20 minutes in a super cub but they're charging you 1200 dollars, right and so with black bear hunting there's a lot of areas that you can access off the road system and and keep your price down okay so that's number one access there's a lot of black, good black bear hunting off the road system as well as in the backcountry then they're quite frankly not as dangerous as brown bears Um, you know black bears are less likely to attack you even if they're wounded right so the learning curve isn't quite as high Um, the danger threshold isn't quite as high you also um, from a physical standpoint they're a little easier to um, process once they're on the ground just because you know a good black bear is you know say six a six footer uh, seven footer if you're really lucky right um 
What is that in, in pounds? What is that normally? Ooh, good question. Yeah. Uh, it depends very... on if we're hunting spring or fall because there's quite a there's quite a swing when they come out of the den. They're pretty lean. By the time they are denning up in October or November, they've you know been put packing on the pounds for sure. But a big a big black bear is is like in the I would say the three hundred pound range. You can get ones that are bigger. Absolutely, you can. There there are those four and five hundred pound black bears out there, but most black bears are like adult black bears i would say are between two and three hundred pounds and um that's doable you can roll a 300 pound black bear over a thousand pound brown bear is a different story and you can do it but there's just tricks of the trade that go with processing an animal of that size and so and and you're you're not near a, a truck or a four-wheeler with a come along usually you know <laughs> so, yeah. so like it just makes it a little easier and, and I'm guessing that has to do with you not including moose in that barrier to entry as well. That's exactly right. There's two reasons why I don't include moose in that in that entry level. And you absolutely can do moose hunting on your first trip to Alaska, but um, there's a few things that make that just a little bit harder. The first one is just the phys- the sheer physical size of them is daunting. You You're looking at packing out a lot of meat and a lot of people just don't have a comprehension of the commitment that that takes and you you know you're you're making eight trips that are gonna weigh you know close to 100 pounds yeah (laughs) you know and and if you shoot that a couple miles away and you have to put that on your back you know you're looking at a couple three days of really really back-breaking labor through potentially thick brush like we have around us today yeah i could not imagine packing <laughs> out a moose through this this shit down here right, now. <laughs> right. And, let alone having to go up and over a hill you know or yeah. a mountain uh, so there's that that you just don't fully understand until you've done it um as well as the physical aspects of of how to roll one over how you know bring a little parachute cord with you maybe a, a pulley system or two you know, if you're lucky enough to have a four-wheeler or a swamp buggy nearby to also move it around, that's even better. But it's just a little trickier. So that's part of it. The other part is in most of Alaska, you can't shoot any bull. You have restrictions on size. And so they, they want you to shoot a bull that is 50 inches wide at its widest point on the antlers or more. Excuse me. Or have three brow tines, which is that uh, secondary palm uh, kind of above their eyebrows that goes forward they need to have three points or more on on one of those brow palms or they need to be a young bull with a spike on one side or a fork we call a spike fork bull and you know kind of that's that's kind of a meat a meat hunt bull you know that's not a trophy bull um so that would be difficult to judge so exactly so that that just takes experience to learn to judge and say oh that's 49 inches i can't shoot that one (laughs) you know that's tough it, it's doable, but it's tough, and it takes practice. And so to do that cold turkey coming from the lower 48 is doable, but difficult. And there are some parts of Alaska that allow you to harvest any bull, which simplifies things. But usually the either that's a draw tag or it's difficult access-wise yeah. and more expensive as a result. So for those reasons, I usually say unless you have a connection with someone in Alaska that's going to go with you or that knows what they're doing and can kind of line you up or can make you aware of these things so you can study them and practice them ahead of time. 
um, better to get your feet wet with with uh, the caribou, the deer, the black bear. Okay. I got you. So, um, sick of blacktail. Yeah. Um, what, what, what can you tell me about them? They're, they're an interesting animal from the, just from looking at them from a, a pure antler standpoint, they don't look any different than a whitetail deer. I was looking at Brad's zero mount that he had and I was like, that looks like a whitetail, but smaller. Right. But it's from, from an antler standpoint. So what, what can you tell me, you know, from, from that? Well, they taste delicious. It's one of the best eating wild meats up here, I think. So that's always a plus. The bag limits are usually generous. Uh, of course, you have to buy a tag for each one you shoot. But in most areas that you're going to hunt, you're going to be able to harvest uh, either three or five deer, which is, that's pretty cool. If you're already spending the travel time and money to get up here, uh, why not bring three deer home Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of one? So that's kind of cool. They also, from a, a pure hunting difficulty level, they're pretty easy for the most part. Um, you, you can make it challenging, and, and some old bucks are challenging, and certain times of year are more difficult than others. But as a general rule, compared to some of the other species, species in Alaska, deer hunting is a little bit easier. They're not super skittish in, in most areas, and the population is pretty good in most areas and so success rates are high so that's great the tags are pretty inexpensive and uh is that with a bow or a gun either one okay yeah either one uh obviously anything you're going to do with a bow is going to be more difficult obviously right but it's doable a lot of guys do it and sick of blacktail of course are a little bit smaller in body and in antler than a whitetail, so you have to calibrate your expectations for a big buck. Um, if you're used to seeing whitetails, you're going to be like, I don't know, that's kind of a small buck. Uh, you, but you talk to an Alaskan and be like, no, you shoot that buck right now. That's yeah. a big buck. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but And they're beautiful. They just they have that white throat patch. And yeah. They're, they're kind of got a u- little bit of a unique look to them that got a little different coloration than a whitetail. They're super pretty. Look good on the wall. And the country that you can find them in is beautiful. And so that really is a great way to introduce yourself to Alaska. Of course, hunting deer means you're on the coastal part of Alaska and in the south or southeast. Um, The habitat for deer is pretty limited to uh, Kodiak Island, Prince William Sound, and southeast parts of Alaska, like uh, out, out of Juneau or Cordova or Yakutat some of those kind of areas down so you're not going to find any blacktail around here correct you're not going to find any blacktail um outside of anchorage or in the interior of alaska it's definitely a limited range very limited range yeah okay so moving on from from blacktail then caribou caribou so they're those are located in most of alaska ironically not where we are not the south southern part mostly um the northern parts of South Central Alaska, Mid Alaska, and North Alaska. By far, though, the most of the state has some some caribou in it, and we've got quite a few major herds. Some of them are in the like forty thousand caribou in a herd, right? Jeez. And um, the rules for those are a little easier. Usually, you can if you get a tag for that, it it can be any bull. So you don't, unlike moose, you don't have to learn, oh gosh, you know, is, does it have three brow tines? Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter. If it looks good to you, you can shoot it. 
of course, if conversely, as opposed to white or blacktail, where they look too small, if you're if you're used to hunting whitetail and you start hunting caribou, they're all going to look huge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so probably don't shoot the first one you see because it's probably not huge, even if it looks like it. Yeah. But that's one of the nice things about caribou is they are um, not not tricky to judge as far as for legalities. You can shoot any bull. And they are pretty plentiful. So if you get in a good area, you're going to see caribou. You're going to get opportunities to, to harvest one. And they're comparable in size to an elk, a slightly smaller in body size. And so it's it's approachable to process one in the field, you know, for even for a first-timer. You can roll that thing around. You can skin it out. You can pack it out. It's going to be work, but you can do it. Yeah. And there's there's good whether you want to get the flying experience and charter a super cub and and do the whole camp out you know for ten days and find a trophy bull thing, or you want to float a river, or you want to just drive in your truck along the along the highway and glass you know the hillsides from there. You can you can do all those things uh, for caribou. Okay, you you get quite a range of experience. Huh? Yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty approachable approachable way to you know again enter alaska and and get into and that side of big game hunting and and how is how's the meat on caribou uh it's delicious yeah it's great yeah we, and there's we a eat lot a, of it we eat a lot of caribou yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's that sounds great is that something where you have more than one tag a year or it can be yeah uh most of the areas that we hunt are just one one caribou a year but there's plenty of areas where you're allowed two or five or even in some areas they're like well you can shoot five a day <laughs> Jeez. well yeah so when it comes to someone from uh out of state that's a little bit difficult uh with a unless you're donating the meat to get get it right <laughs> you have to factor in how am i going to get all this meat back and then of course the reality is in those areas where they let you shoot that many, they're not worried about it because they know you can't pack all that out anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they know it. <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, this this uh, this area and just Alaska in general is just a wild, wild place. It's it's pretty pretty cool to be able to see that. So you were telling me before we started recording here that uh, recently you were on a brown bear hunt. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, Absolutely. it's, uh, and again, that's something that from a non-resident standpoint, you cannot hunt without a guide or is it, is there some other stipulation as far as if you have a relative or something that lives? That's correct. Yeah. If you, if you have a, a relative that lives in Alaska, say, uh, your father, your son, mm-hmm. um, direct relatives like that, they can, that is an Alaska resident, they can act as your guide. Legally. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. correct. And it's, the, the, it's funny how you and I are long lost brothers. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, that that is an option if if you want to either move to Alaska and become a resident or uh, if you have family members that are up here, you can you can take advantage of that. The regulations have changed a little bit in the last couple of years regarding that and and may continue to do so, so you definitely want to check your current regulations on that to make sure you're in compliance with it, but it's definitely a a, a little backdoor loophole that some people can take advantage of for okay. sure yeah so that aside let's hear about uh your hunt that you had recently yeah so i mean i love brown bear hunting i love bear hunting in general it's probably 
my favorite type of hunting to do up here. And thankfully we have a lot of bears and get to do it a lot. But my hunting partner, Casey, I think I mentioned before, grew up in Nebraska and Wyoming. So his dad was a farmer and a welder. And uh, so just, you know, middle-class America, loved hunting, but never dreamed he would actually get to come to Alaska. It always seemed like uh, something you just read about in magazines. He talked about, I remember when I was 18 years old, I read this story about brown bear hunting and just thought, wow, that'd be amazing. But love to do that can't imagine ever actually getting the chance and then of course he he has his son Casey who's my good friend and hunting partner and instilled that love of hunting in Casey as as Casey grew up and and Casey got so into hunting that he moved to Alaska just so he could become a resident and do all the hunting up here and that's how I met him and we became good good friends and and hunting partners and and uh, been doing a lot of hunting since but a couple years ago, his dad ended up contracting cancer, unfortunately. And so Casey had his parents move up and live with him so he could help take care of them. And his dad beat the cancer and is doing great right now. And is 69 years old. And we thought, you know what? It's been 50 years. <laughs> Now's the time to make that dream come true. We're going to go brown bear hunting. And his dad pulled an amazing tag for a really good area down on the Alaska Peninsula. And we just couldn't have asked for a better scenario. So we've been planning this hunt for a year and just got back a couple weeks ago. And so it's still really fresh, really fresh in the, in the, uh, in the memory. And it was super cool. I went along just as a photographer to document and it was super cool just getting to see how special it was to Casey and to his dad. You could definitely tell it was a, just a really cool time for them to spend together, an experience to share. And for his dad, it was just a dream come true, uh, just an unbelievable hunt. You know, for him, it was the equivalent of going to Africa or something. You yeah. know, this is, this is if, you're, if you're paying a guy to do this hunt uh, and factoring travel and everything else, you're into this for thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. And so just a really special opportunity. And so we flew down to the Alaska Peninsula on, on a commercial jet. And then we got on a tiny little charter plane and flew that to a little island. Then we got on a boat and took that around to another part of the island. Then we got on four-wheelers and drove those even further. So we are... At this point, you know, whatever, a thousand miles from home, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It shows how big Alaska is, right. too, you know. <laughs> right. And the, this island doesn't have a single tree on it. It's just open tundra and, it had and one grass. Tree. It had one tree. That's true. I showed you a picture of the one There's tree. There's one tree on the <laughs> island, which is hilarious. <laughs> and so it's cool. Even for an Alaskan, it f feels like kind of a little bit of another world yeah uh, because alaska is big enough it has a lot of different types of terrain and and the, the alaska peninsula is definitely and the aleutian islands are definitely a unique environment and this is just the island of bears <laughs> there are bears everywhere and there are monster bears on this island and so we went ahead and set up camp on this big old bluff that overlooked probably we had a beach on one side of the uh, that was that was close, a few hundred yards away, 
down below us, probably like 800 yards, seven, eight, seven or 800 yards uh, to our right. And then to our left stretched this vast open plain for maybe a mile and a half. And then we could see the ocean on the other side. And then behind us were two great big 10,000 foot active volcanoes uh, that that kind of completed the, completed the picture. So couldn't ask for a more epic setting oh, yeah. for the adventure, right? And so we set up camp. And like I said, his dad is 69 years old and just gone through chemotherapy and is doing really well, all, con- all considering. But, you know, he's, he's, he's not in the condition where you want to backpack in 20 miles in and out, right? Yeah. We're not doing a lot of walking. So this was perfect. We were able to sit up on this bluff and just glass. I always tell people for bear hunting, far better to let your glass do the walking than your boots. Uh, especially in some areas where the bears have received a little bit of pressure, the big ones, they just know better. If you walk around, you're going to leave a scent trail. They're going to come along. As soon as they hit that trail, they just turn around and head the other way. So if you do a bunch of walking around, all you're doing is scaring bears away. Better off to sit at a good vantage point and glass. And so that's what we did. And uh, we saw a lot of bears every day. And that in itself is pretty cool. If you We were hunting, this is a spring hunt, and so the bears are mating. And so that adds a, a, a whole new flavor to things. You see in the, you know, the boars are... are posturing with each other and they're chasing sows around and sows are going and trying to some of them are trying to find the boars other ones are playing hard to get you know and this boar will come up to them and they'll oh, yeah. squat at them you know yeah <laughs> yeah see yeah you got a whole kind of like humans right yeah not <laughs> unlike humans <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny they're playing their games oh yeah yeah women always playing their games right right um but about halfway through the hunt, we found the bear that we were looking for, and we were able to uh, get within range, and, and uh, Gene put put a couple good shots into it, and it, it uh, died right there below us on this bluff. We were able to get down to it just fine, and, you know, his dreams come true. He should have seen his face. I wish I could show everybody on the podcast a picture of, yeah. <laughs> of, oh, that of the picture way you looked. had was awesome. <laughs> And is, is there any place where anyone can see that picture that you have? Or? Oh yeah, you bet. Uh, well, we're we're actually, as we record this, we're telling the story on Instagram, putting up a new post every day that's kind of chronicling the adventure. So if you go to at 60th Parallel on Instagram or 60th Parallel Adventures on Facebook, you can see that whole adventure as long as a lot as well as a lot of our other ones. And then we also have our website website 60thparallel.com where. Okay our adventures are chronicled as well man that's that's pretty awesome and 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 not to uh cut it out completely yet that wasn't the end of the hunt (laughs) that wasn't the end of the hunt like that right there was an amazing story and and definitely the highlight of the hunt but it did continue right it did yeah we well i mean we enjoyed that area for a little bit longer we stayed and fleshed out his bear hide and there was a a lot of wolves in the area so we were watching wolves we saw this one uh big brown bear boar mating with a sow and they kind of played those games we were talking about for a while but then decided they got along and were mating and then running along and then all of a sudden a, a wolf came running off the hill and attacked both brown bears 
and <laughs> and just ran up and started nipping at him and biting him and and uh so the brown bears spin around and start fighting with this wolf and it goes back and forth for five or ten minutes where they're just running around the hill fighting each other just this one wolf and we realized pretty quickly that the wolf was defending a den okay and and that the bears had kind of run run into her safe zone and she was trying to run the she-wolf was trying to run them off and not long after the the male a really big white um male wolf showed up and uh you could see the she-wolf super super excited to see him come running over and you know say hello that was super cool just to get to see that those kind of natural little stories unfold yeah you know no that's that's super interesting but anyway we spent a couple of a couple few more days on the island doing that and then we we pulled stakes there and went to another area where uh casey and i could get over the counter tags right that were not that were not draw hunt tags where we could hunt brown bears because of course you know we're already down there. We got to, yeah, <laughs> we, we had the itch. We figured we'd try to, try to knock some bears over too. And, and it worked out. Um, we spent a few days hunting and, and saw some good bears and ended up, ended up taking two more. And one in particular was, was a good bear. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was the big. one you took, right? Yeah. How, yeah. How big was that? I mean, uh, you guys go again. You guys go by length for the most part, right? Is that how you measure? Yeah. That? So there's a couple things you measure. I I think most people, if you ask them how big a bear is, they're gonna tell you uh, what the hide squared out at. Meaning they take a measurement from nose to tail, and then from claw to claw with the 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 uh, four paws, you know, and then you add those two numbers together and divide by two, and and that's the squared. Um, okay. size of the bear so when you see hear, hear someone say oh that's an eight foot bear or a 10 foot bear or whatever um that's that's meaning those measurements so it's taking into account oh. both their width and their length see i didn't know that and I, so a lot of people think oh that means like when it stands on its hind legs it's 10 feet tall like a person you yeah. know a person is six foot tall you know because you know when they stand up that's how tall they are that's not really what we mean so usually actually bears are wider than they are long so you'll actually usually get a bigger measurement with their wingspan than you will their nose to tail. Huh. Um, although it's close. It's I didn't usu- know it, that. It's usually within a few inches. When you kept saying that, you're like, oh, an eight-foot bear or whatever. I'm thinking, all right, he's standing up. He's eight foot tall. You know, that's a that's a that's Well, a and big they can be. Bitch, you know, if you know, if you say a if they bear squared eight foot, he's probably at least seven and a half foot nose to tail, if okay. not a little more. Yeah. Yeah, he's big no matter what at that point. You bet. <laughs> you bet. So this particular bear squared nine foot nine, and had a twenty-seven and a half inch skull, which is of course what you score for Boone and Crockett. Because measuring a hide, there's a lot of you know how 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 hard did they pull on that hide? Yeah, <laughs> you know to stretch it out. Uh, there's a lot of variability there. Whereas with skulls, you have the drying period, and then it is what it is. You get those calipers out and just measure it, and it's a little more concrete. And uh, so it measured 27 and a half inches. So for those those guys who keep track of that sort of thing, the awards period of Boone and Crockett is 26 inches and the all-time is 28. So it was right in there. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Man, that's 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 pretty awesome. Again, you were on, on the train ride down here. We had a uh, a nice little train ride to the, the Spencer Lake here. And 
it uh you were showing me the pictures from that hunt and they were just they're freaking gorgeous so i definitely tell everyone to go check out the the 60th parallel on uh instagram and 60th parallel adventures on facebook is is there anywhere else where we can find some of your guys's you know photos and just some of your work all together uh, well, of course, our website, 60thparalleladventures.com. And then we do work with a few different uh, brands out there. So you might see some of our work peeking up every once in a while with uh, Vortex Optics. We we uh, work with them a lot. We love those guys over there, Sitka Gear. Heather's Choice, of course, who brings us together here today. So we we uh, like to work with brands that we actually use. That's that's always our rubric. Yeah. For we We try to not approach... I think in this industry, it's easy to 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 find guys who just want want to get some free gear, and the you know they'll call people up and say, "Hey, can you send me some stuff, or can you sponsor us?" And that's okay, but for us, we'd rather buy it first and like put it through the ringer, through the ringer, and say, "Hey, is this something that I'm going to take out for two weeks and rely on? Like, if it doesn't work, yeah. it matters, you know." And then if it passes that test. Well, that's a company we would probably want to work with, and we'll give them a call. Exactly. No, I I completely I completely agree with that. I I can't stand seeing the some of the stuff there, but again, that's another topic that doesn't <laughs> need to be covered on this on this episode. Well, uh, we're getting completely destroyed by mosquitoes and flies and everything here right now. So, John, what do you say we uh, go grab another drink and, and cut this one off? All right. Is there anything I else you want to add? Or Definitely could use a refill here, that's for sure. Uh, right. Only that I, I really do encourage people to do some research if hunting in Alaska is something that's always kind of tickled their fancy but seemed out of reach. It doesn't have to be. Uh, part of it's budgeting, but part of it's just planning and finding uh, some good inside information on how, what gear to bring, how to pack, what to expect. People are always welcome to shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook or to email us, which they can do on our website. And we'd love to send people our gear lists. We'd love to send um, people our recommendations. That's that's what we're all about is sharing that experience. We don't want to be selfish with it. We want to. Uh, we feel super blessed to get to do what we do up here, and we want to pass that along. Okay. What one last question here? So, the the slogan here at East meets West is how do you define adventure? So that's what I want to ask you from from a personal standpoint. How do you define adventure? For me, adventure is all about personal limits. And, and finding where yours are and then pushing them a little bit farther. And that's, I think, what I love about Alaska is you really, truly, you're, you're not relying on anybody but yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're getting in situations that require you to be really on the ball or you're in big trouble. And, and that's adventure to me. Awesome. I like that, man. Well, again, let's, uh, We'll have to talk here soon, and I'll make sure I, I include your cell phone number in the show notes so that everybody <laughs> can give you a call for hunting spots in Alaska. No, all, all joking aside, John, I really appreciate you having you on here and, and sitting down and talking to me and and uh, chatting. So uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. All right, man. It was my pleasure. All right. We'll see you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.